Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Okay, we are back again to have another brilliant conversation. I've got Gemma Willing in front of me and I'm... (laughs) Super excited because you are a creative just like me and we're going to talk all things creativity, all things life and and how to juggle being a new mum and how to follow your passions and make things happen and um, we'll start as I always do and just hand the mic over to you and let you introduce yourself to the people that are listening. (laughs) Uh, Hello, my name's Gemma, Um, yeah I'm a fellow creative, I'm By training initially, actually, an actor, and then I got more into voiceover work later on um, in my life. I'm 36. I've got a little daughter called Coco, and she's two and a half, and she keeps me very, very busy. Um, Yeah, it's so lovely to sit down and actually talk to another creative. That's actually what I've been so excited about in the build-up to this, because... I don't know, the more I thought about it, like in, in leading up to come here and have a chat with you, is just that how much creatives need creatives yep. to talk to, to vent to, to brainstorm with. I mean, I just think, and it's also good to not hang out with creative people, I think, as well, mm-hmm. to sort of switch that off, switch the creative side of your brain off and then have these, you know, um, other stimulating conversations and, and life that's nothing to do with the arts. But then I think as an artist, you really need to have artistic people in your life. Mm. I think it's so important. So, yeah, I've been really excited to yeah. come and have a chat and it's talk It's interesting about it. you say that, actually, mm. because it's something that I haven't ever really done. I've never really embraced it because yeah. for those that know me a bit more, they'll realise that I'm an uh, artist, obviously, but I'm a sporty person and yeah. I'm, I love like being an athlete and I've never quite fit I've never felt like I belonged even at university when I was doing a fine art degree yeah I was running off here there and everywhere doing training and playing rugby and I I could sense that there was this confusion with my fellow creatives as like who is this woman like what is she what (laughs) box can we put her in she doesn't belong so I I have struggled to actually feel like I have found my creative little Mm. crew um, and I, this is a huge judgment on my part and mm. stereotypical comment I'm about to make, and yeah. I hope I don't offend anyone, but there is that kind of illusion that uh, artists are not necessarily business-driven, yeah. kind of corporate in yeah. approach. Um, like even saying to my parents, I mm. want to do an art degree, mm. I felt shame in that because I felt like yeah. I was wasting my education so it's yeah. kind of like the corporate business high stri- high achieving striving mm. personality doesn't fit with mm. being an artist yeah. which is bonkers because That's I would rubbish. put both of us in that category yeah. that yeah. we're very very um driven yeah but somehow being a creative I think in general and yeah. correct me if you think I'm wrong but yeah. It's perceived as a bit of a cop-out kind of yeah. lifestyle. It's not yeah. so serious. Mm. I think, if anything, like you have to be more business-minded and more driven and more determined to be an artist yeah. because it is so hard mm-hmm. and because the work is so hard to secure, 
to establish yourself, you know, like you don't get opportunities as easily as mm-hmm. a lot of other professions. Yeah. So I think it's also you also have to kind of, yeah, you, you feel like you have to justify what you're doing, mm-hmm. but you have to like justify it in a sense that you shouldn't have to. Like if someone's a lawyer, they don't have to justify why they're choosing to do law. Yes. But then as an artist, it's like, well, I'm doing this, but but I really love it. And, you know, you have all these sentences in your head that you've got ready to say why you want to pursue it. Yeah. And it's like you don't – we shouldn't have to do that, but we do it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like this sort of second nature thing that ticks in. And it's interesting you use the word I love it because so many people have alluded to, well, why am I going to pay you because you enjoy it? Yeah. Like somehow yeah. because you like doing it, <laughs> therefore – it can't be taken seriously as a yeah. job. Like yeah. either you have to hate your job and be really good at it, mm. but we'll pay you for it. Or, well, if you love it, well, why would you just do it as a favor? Yeah, like, exactly. Still not, <laughs> like we're laughing, but know, people genuinely think, yeah. oh, but she's enjoying it. So why not get her She'll to do... She'll just do it for free on yes. the side. It's just like, yes, she just loves doing it. It's really easy for her to or, do it on the side. Or the one that really irks me. Yeah. It's really good exposure for you. Yeah. I don't need exposure. I need to pay my mortgage. <laughs> I know. I don't I know. Yeah, like you wouldn't say to a lawyer, I know. oh, it's great exposure for you to yeah, do Yeah, do you this. mind just doing giving me a quote on the side yeah. just for free? Because I know you love doing law. So like, can yeah. you just whip together a little, you know, yeah. proposal for me? It's a fun. It's hopefully there's from this conversation, yeah. you know, maybe even one person goes, yeah that maybe is a bit disrespectful <laughs> yeah. or a bit yeah. um it's mm. common though for sure yeah and I understand what you're saying about the not fitting in the box thing too because I did a lot of sport as well growing up um a lot of athletics and then it went kind of more into dance and drama but I, I remember when I did my um finished school my dad wanted me to do law because he was a lawyer um and he was a bit a little bit horrified that I wanted to do theatre studies yeah. and just kind of nervous for me for the stability of it. Yeah. But I think when he saw how determined and driven I was to do it and I ended up doing, you know, six and a half years of study and did um, study overseas in two different places and he could tell how passionate I was about it and that there was no other option. Yeah. And that if it meant I had to work three or four other jobs in order to pursue this, then I would. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I think he saw that happening, especially when I was in Sydney, because yeah. Sydney is just a – for an artist, for me personally in my experience of Sydney, Sydney was a beast of a place because it is so expensive mm. and it's so hard to crack into. And, yeah, I, I was working, you know, honestly four jobs to survive and then still have time to – audition create have a life Mm. and I don't think and that's that's the determination part of an artist Mm -hmm. like that's me being driven and business-minded in order to do what I want to do yeah but people go like oh she just does acting on the side yeah and you're like no I actually do all of this so that I can one day do acting and voiceover work and you know yeah so that's the the hours and the sacrifices that you make people have no idea about it yeah You've hit on so many important things there. The first one about your parents and mm. telling them, mm. was that really challenging for you? I, I just alluded to the guilt I felt mm. of wasting my education. I went to an all-girls private. My yeah, parents pumped a lot of money into me being yeah. dyslexic. I had a lot of extra tuition. Yeah. And I felt like really conflicted in knowing yeah. I wanted to do art but feeling embarrassed. So I actually lied to them. I would, really? I, as far as they were aware... I went to university to do a sports science, oh, sport really? and exercise. 
It's all an exercise. Really? Oh, and then goodness. I only told them once I arrived. I was like, guys, I've got to tell you. <laughs> I'm actually not doing yeah, so Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Did you feel the same? Like it was a really hard conversation to have or you just knew that, nah, you were going to... I think I was so determined mm -hmm. and so stubborn about it. Yeah. I kind of like revved myself up. I I sort of jacked myself up ready to fight. Like, Mm. so I think I, and I think they could see that. Like I was ready to be like, no, this is what I want to do. I'm not, like, I'm not budging because nothing makes me happier than doing, you know, performing arts. And parents want their children to be happy. Yeah. And I think they, they saw and they see how, how happy it makes me. Um, and I think they saw my sheer determination to do it and they knew I was going to work hard. Yeah. Um, but I think my dad was very confused by it, probably, probably more than my mum. But then, but then in saying that, as soon as I started kind of, when I left drama school and I started booking things professionally as an actor, um, my dad was very quick to kind of be like, oh yeah, you got... Uh, you got acting from me because <laughs> I played I played Romeo once at school. Yeah, and, right. Um, and he he had like a big booming voice, like a yeah. like a voice for radio. And so then when I got into voiceover work, he was kind of the first to be like, "And you also got your voice from me yeah. because that's from me." Um, but I think my mum always encouraged me to pursue anything creative because she saw how happy it made me. Yeah. But at the same time, I think both of them were a bit disappointed when I did just dismiss sports and that side of thing that we poured so much like we're very sporty family like my brothers and I and we poured so much time and effort into like this the trainings and the matches and you know all of that I think that speaks to just a general care and maybe insecurity of parents Mm. is that they just want the best for their kids and what they think is the best might not be the best and it's letting go of the idea of Mm. You, know, you, you. Every parent will have an expectation. You probably do for Coco. Like yeah. In a way, you yeah. just want the absolute best for them. But it's changing the narrative of, and giving them trust. Yes. Even though you're scared shitless yourself, yeah. like yeah, and you're really hoping it works parents. out. Yeah. yeah. That no, I need to follow this. But I didn't know. I was winging it too. Yeah. So they just want the best for you, and that yeah. speaks to them. Because I had a family friend really try and talk me out of it. Like yeah. was really, really concerned. So many people do. Yeah, so many people go, okay, I've had so many people in my life say, and what's the backup? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I don't have a backup. My backup is working three or four jobs to keep doing this. Yeah. That's my backup. Yeah. But like, I, I think that's so important to not have a plan B because yeah. then there's a safety. Yeah, you exactly. Don't want that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think it is like I'm really proud of creative people who do this because it takes such guts mm. and the courage to be like, I'm going to sink or swim, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. And otherwise, if I don't give it a go, I'm going to be sitting there going, like, probably quite depressed, being like, why didn't I get yeah. out a shot? What if? Like, what yeah. could have happened? My experience last year when I left a very secure job role mm. was, I know I can always go back to this. And mm. that's the privilege mm. of life experience mm. is that I had, very fortunate, I'd saved enough enough money that I knew that I had a year of, if I didn't make a penny, mm. I could just about scrape by for a year. Yeah. And... I just thought, well, sod it. It's just yeah. money, and I'll yeah. just go back to doing what I was doing, and I will only live with regret if I don't give it a go. Yeah. And here we are now, two mm-hmm. creatives, yeah. full-time, you know, earning money off yeah. of our craft. And, yeah, if anyone's kind of umming and ahhing, you've just mm. got to take the plunge because oh. you can always fall back on Definitely. what you were doing before. And even if you can't fall back on what you were doing before, you can fall back on something. Yeah. You can get a job. 
Yeah. Whether you're whatever, you yeah. know, like stacking the shelves in Coles or Coles yeah. or Woolies at Dyke. It just doesn't even matter or, I don't know, you're full-time nannying or whatever the job may be. Yeah. Whatever pays the bills. You, you know, work at a call centre or yeah. so many um, creative friends of mine, like the jobs that you find yourself doing, but they pay the bills. Yeah. And that's all that matters. I think the, you know, like, the narrative around being a creative I just that just made me think I change when people say oh what do you do two things happened initially I would go oh I'm just a yes. and I would belittle it or downplay it I'm just an artist or worse I wouldn't even mention that I was an mm. artist because the time allocation <clears throat> to making money through another source was greater so I was like well I, I best say I'm a remedial massage therapist yeah. and I like art yeah. and then it kind of was like faking it till I make it mm. and the day I, I consciously did this I started saying I'm an artist. Yeah, and it it gave no room for kind of the interpretation. Yeah, mm. or backup, and yeah. it was like probably about a few months until I started to feel like I could own that label. Yeah, yeah. and then I started living it, and now absolutely I'm yeah. an artist, and I do a bit of massage on the side yeah. sometimes because yeah. I like it. But it's I think it's um, putting out there how you want people to perceive you and accept mm. you and, mm. and view you, even if you don't quite feel it is true yet yeah and there's such a shift when you do own it and say I'm an I'm an actor and a voiceover artist yeah and you say it to people and then it gives you that confidence and you go yes I am because I've trained my my butt off I've worked my bum off like Mm -hmm. this is what I do yeah the same time though I do think there is in being a creative and being so like there's a part there's always like a part of creative personalities I think that can be quite vulnerable and um, like you know you're there to sort of like be a mirror sometimes in, in your work in whatever way that may be so I think at the same time sometimes when people ask you what you do if it's a self-preservation thing and you don't want to go into it if you mm. don't feel like talking about what what you do in your work like because I know sometimes I get quite I get a bit tired sometimes of people being you know they're like so what have you done what have you been in mm. so like list off the things and you're like and it's funny because they <sighs> wouldn't do that with their I know. job like, no one's going to go, oh, I did the accounts for 30 employees. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I looked at an auditing process. Like, exactly. I don't really care, to be honest, what you do yeah. if you're an accountant. But yeah. you get so grilled. You have to kind of validate yes. your role. Mm. Um, yeah. But one thing that I'm starting to get a little bit, and I really want to get into yeah. a bit more your journey specifically mm. and what you've done, but is people now go, oh, my God, that's so cool. Mm. and I've never thought of it as a you know like an achievement I've gone from down or faking it or not even mentioning it to downplaying it to being a little bit shameful of it to now being like maybe it is cool that I'm a full-time artist and I get to do what I love and pay the bills doing what I love it's amazing and the amount of people go wow that in itself is an achievement the fact not that I could be a terrible artist but the fact that Mm. I'm creating something and you know, and you love it. a lifestyle. Yeah, in itself is it is an achievement. Yeah, so it is. Hats off to any creatives who are doing that. Oh, most definitely, and that's why I think it is so important for creatives to hang out with creatives because you need to kind of congratulate each other and support each other in the hard times. To be like, you've put in all the hard work, and now you can celebrate. You know, mm. when you have the work and you're proud of it, and. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not something that comes easily, but you 
you don't ever give up on it and you pursue it because you love it so much and nothing gives you that joy yeah that you get from that I have to admit I've probably hung around with a lot of what I would deem successful yeah business people yeah and felt like a failure in comparison mm. but it's like comparing I yeah. know, a racehorse with a prize pig at a yeah. show. Like, they're completely different animals. They're yeah, different yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a different world. Trying to worlds. do different things. Yeah. And, yeah, okay, I don't have millions in the bank, but mm. I get to skip through my day every day because I yeah. love doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So let's go. I really want to know about your journey. Okay. So you started at Whopper, is that right? I and did. Well, yeah. Tell before, me, tell me. So before Whopper, so I knew... I knew when I was at school that I wanted to do acting and I knew WAPA was hard to get into. So I actually didn't, I got rejected from WAPA twice and I got mm. in on my third go. So that was kind of my first. Were you like third time, that's it? Or you're like, lucky. I'm just going to keep going. I, I would have my... just kept going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Sat here still going. today, 36. <laughs> yeah. I, my 28th time, yeah. I will try again next yeah. year. I'll get it when I'm 40. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm taking a hit, yeah. <laughs> I really think I would have just kept persisting. I don't think, like, I just saw no other option. Did you know at that time that it was super competitive and you're yep. like, that's fair enough. Yep. There's loads of us. I don't, I'm not taking it personally. Mm, I think I did take it a bit personally sometimes, but I also just trusted that. So, do they give feedback as well? Like, yeah, do you know they why do give feedback. Yeah, they, I mean, it's kind of like the most, um, grueling feedback at the same time like sometimes it would just be like oh you need a bit more life experience mm. you know and that makes sense because what you know like they need you to be able to bring things to a role yeah and if you if you're like fresh out of school then it's probably not yeah. going to be there like for me personally um I think the first knockback I had from drama school I went okay well what can I do in the meantime so I went to Notre Dame and I studied theatre studies and did a minor in counselling and behavioural science and whilst I was there I was trying to get into drama school mm-hmm. and then this um great opportunity happened when I was at Notre Dame there was a exchange scholarship program that came up to go to Singapore and study at an arts college oh, wow. there I was really lucky with two other friends to get it and we went to um yeah the school's called La Salle College of the Arts and so I did acting there for six months and that was set up by people who helped set up WAPA hmm. so it gave me kind of this bit of an introduction to what drama school would be like and I just loved it Mm. I absolutely loved it and there was um yeah just great experiences and learning about lots of Asian art forms and Mm -hmm. so then I completed Notre Dame and then I took six months off just to work and then got into WAPA and um WAPA was like the the hardest and the best three years for sure like you just it's just so intense you're kind of there from what really from like stand for, for those that so oh sorry western so, um, yeah western australian academy of performing arts okay. yeah um and that was amazing like lifelong friends have been made at WAPA um and then you kind of just projected out into the industry and I basically packed up everything and moved to Sydney straight away mm. And that was in 2012. With so, your partner, John, or by no, then you hadn't met? Um, and you were just... No, I hadn't met John yet. Um, we kind of, we knew of each other, but we hadn't like properly met at that point. So I was actually with a... Solo fledging, just... I was in a past relationship with okay. someone at the time um, uh, who's also an actor and went to Sydney and just 
got a job and just in the deep end of auditions, mm. really. Um, it was tough. I remember just Hats thinking, you, this my is gosh. Hard. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. <laughs> it was really hard and you felt, especially coming from Perth, like such a small yeah. place and then going into Sydney and you're, it's already like such a big pond and you're this like tiny little mm. drama grad fish. I don't know if you think about things are kind of written already in destiny or like set mm. in stone or if it's meant to be it's already kind of meant to be and mm. I just think there are so many talented people out there yeah. who just for whatever reason yeah. are not in the right place at the right time yeah. and then there's others equally talented or maybe even less talented who just sort of nail it no, and yeah. I went to Lyndon K Gallery yeah um on the weekend and it was a women's exhibition cool. each artist um was just coincidentally, they were doing their talks about yeah. their artwork. Yeah. And this lady had come over from London. Seemed lovely. Like, I'm not going to judge someone I don't know. And yeah. her art was beautiful as well. Yeah. But she was like, yeah, I've actually only been here a year. And I just sort of, I guess I just arrived. And it was great. I, I approached the gallery. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I think so much of a it is yeah. yeah. And so a part of that is like, definitely. Yeah. The, the odds are mm. almost stacked against you. Yeah. Unless it's already meant to be, you just think, far out, I'm one of maybe 10,000 yeah. women, female actors trying to make it in Sydney yeah. today. Yeah, um, I think so much of it is just luck. Yeah. It's a complete lotto. Yeah, but you do have to put yourself in yeah. the mix, constantly show up, you yeah. never know what's going to come from. Yeah. I've had an open studio in this very room we're sat in, mm. and this was last year. From that, one day has led to like three working contracts yeah, that are continuing yeah. on and you just think you just have to keep Gotta keep going showing up yeah. you don't know what the next conversation will bring exactly next, exactly yeah. and just that I think that resilience too of just like I'm a very stubborn person too and I'm very determined and I think just the never giving up mm -hmm. just like relentlessly pursuing yeah um, because as you say, you just never know what one connection or conversation or and also is going I to love, happen. And it's, I've had a little bit of experience of it lately that yeah. a conversation or an interaction I've had over a year ago mm. has come full circle and has presented with something today. So yeah. I think that's, I mean, this is slightly off topic, but just being but that's trusting. your best self, yeah. being authentic, being yeah. just your nicest, kindest, mm. integral kind of, yeah, example of who you are with every interaction you have because yeah. you never know. Yeah. I got my last job through a connection that had happened seven years before. Yeah, wow. So it, I do I do believe in that. Yeah. Like I think I... There's You're setting definitely the foundations the for the future yeah. constantly. And yeah. I think it also like luck and it being a complete lotto is a big part of it. But I think being a really good person... Yeah. Work aside, like no matter what creative work you do, if you're a good person, I think definitely it will come around full mm -hmm. circle because people don't want to work with, you know, like <laughs> assholes. People don't want to work with wankers, you know, and yeah. that that comes to light and I think people eventually see through it. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, no matter what industry you're in, you should be a good person. And I think that speaks to being authentic because yeah. there are people, maybe on the absolute opposite end of this conversation who mm. are not wanting to be in the arts but mm. for whatever reason maybe it's a family thing yeah. generations of actors or um, creatives and they're not really passionate about it mm. 
that will show through. Definitely. Like if you're trying to fake it and it's not a part of who you are, yeah. you, like if I don't create, I feel like I'm not breathing, I'm not yeah. myself, yeah. same for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just got to be you authentic. You can smell it. Yeah. You can see it a yeah. mile off. Yeah. So if your parents are like, come on, get into acting and you just, all you want to be is a lawyer, then yeah. you've just got to listen to yourself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and know what makes you happy and makes you spark. Yeah. So we got to Sydney and you were hustling and you were... Giving it your all. Yeah, hustle, hustle. Um, Did you have any kind of breaks there? Did you have any success? Did you? I think probably for me a big turning point was when I was in Sydney, um, I I had re- lots and lots of close calls. Like I think I had like maybe eight final callbacks for a TV show and that was gruelling but I just kept persisting and persisting and persisting and I never landed the TV show but it gave me confidence in that – I was on the right track mm-hmm. and it was just even though I was heartbroken each time I didn't get it I was like okay but I'm nearly there I'm nearly there and um for me like a yeah like a turning point for me was I landed the role of um Catherine Earnshaw in the stage adaptation of Wuthering Heights mm. and so we toured Australia um for six months with that with wow. this amazing theatre company that's based in Queensland called Shake and Stir Theatre Company and yeah. the um yeah, the three people behind Shake and Stir are now lifelong friends. They're just the most beautiful people. And for me, that was a moment where I thought, and I think that was a big moment actually for my dad too, because he kind of went, oh, okay, you're touring Australia with a three-hour show, you're the lead female, you know. I feel like that was a moment where he, he not started taking me seriously but was kind of, really happy for me and and impressed and really proud and mm. yeah it was a sort of turning point yeah um and from that from that moment I think things definitely accelerated a little bit and that was although I must admit like touring is the best and also really hard mm-hmm. being away from um you know your partner and family and friends but the people you're touring with kind of become like your family yeah. so it's this awesome experience as well yeah. I'm so grateful that I got to do that before having um, Coco and, yeah, it was a really awesome experience. But I think from that point, I'd kind of, in the back of my head, I'd always been thinking to myself, I really want to get into voiceover work. And when I first got out of drama school, I had someone quite high up in the industry say to me, you don't have a voice for voiceover work. Maybe you should consider it when you're like 40 or 50. And I remember at the time I was crushed. Wow. And I just thought... Just the voice, presumably then the voice changes that yeah, much yeah. over... I think it changes a lot. Yeah. I, you know, she kind of implied, oh, your voice will have matured okay. a bit by then. And I just thought, okay, cool. So that really crushed me. And then I think by... When I did this tour with Shake and Stir, um, one of the artistic directors, Nellie Lee, I was talking to her and she said to me, no, you have to give it a go, like... You'd be great. Mm. And I think it took me a while still, but then two years later I finally put down a voiceover demo. Isn't it interesting that we probably listen to the criticism or the so negative more. more than the positive? Because I had Definitely. a drama teacher. So I did mm. A-levels is like your year yeah. 11, 12 exam yeah. to school. And I did drama as one of my yeah. four majors. Yeah. And we were in the middle of a dress rehearsal. So that's like the night before. Yeah. Really important. Mm-hmm. You're just not supposed to interrupt this dress rehearsal. There's a few people in the in the audience and the director, well, he's an art teacher, but he called himself yeah, a director. Yeah. <laughs> Failed actor. Yeah. Um, cut, cut, sorry, guys, sorry. Can you cut everybody? And he just shouted out, Olivia, 
you have to stop rowing. Your shoulders are far too big. You will never be an actress with those shoulders. No. Okay. Legs on. Carry on. Thank you. And I was like, what? Like, out of nowhere in the middle of a dress rehearsal. And I've never, ever, ever forgotten that. And that's off the back of, I've literally come out of hospital two years before from an eating disorder. So I was like, you really? dick. Like, ugh. Anyway, that... People's a, people just think... Because you're putting yourself out there and because you're up there on stage, that it's just you're like open to free criticism. for all. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Have a stab. Go have on. a stab. Go, yeah, like yeah. tear them apart. And yeah. it is brutal. Yeah. But that oh, stopped I can't me play. pursuing. I did a little bit of Amdram stuff. Like mm. I joined a little local village amateur um, um, dramatic yeah, yeah. group. Um, but yeah, from that moment on, I, I dismissed acting as a possibility. Um, or because of one twit. Yeah, one comment. Giving like an unwanted, unnecessary yeah. comment that's yeah. just not. I mean, I probably it's wasn't a very good actress either, but. <laughs> oh, but you know, you never know. Like, it's just not. No yeah. one ever has a right to say something like yeah. that. Just to. Like, what does. What would that serve? Like, what point? Yeah. It's just. It it's... blows my mind. And there were a lot of. You know, there's a lot of things that I look back on in drama school as well, where there was some very inappropriate comments that were probably said by, you know, by not only yeah. like fellow students to each other and like you know you sit around a circle and someone gets up and does their piece and, and then I you wonder... give like feedback or the teacher gives feedback and it's just like ripping you to shreds mm. and I wonder what it is about the <clears throat> arts mm. that gives people a sense of that they have a right to right yeah because so, you would never criticize oh, I don't know I keep thinking of an accountant yeah you'd never go oh are you sure you don't want to just check those figures one more time just in case because yeah. your work looks a bit messy and you know yeah. you might have got it wrong and or, yet when it comes it become, to art it's like yeah. oh I have an opinion on this it's like yeah. oh no that's a person that's yes. a ta- that art that creation is attached to a person and those yeah. comments that you make about the art mm. will be directly mm. felt by the person yeah so I think that's, that's an like, important thing to say on this pod is definitely just think whether actually you have a right to make mm. comments especially mm. if you're not an artist yourself yeah chances are you can't do what the other person's trying to feedback no. I've had from clients and then I had one guy I mean I think he's probably got some issues yeah bought a printed out picture of my art circles in red all over it saying these are the areas I think you'll be happier if you improve on these areas what I'm like mate if you can do it you know better do it yourself it's so <laughs> offensive I know. it's so offensive yeah. what people think they have a right to say and like I'm trying to think of a good example like if I keep, I keep thinking of a lawyer. Like, if a lawyer was giving a presentation and they were kind of agitated throughout the presentation and it wasn't clear and they were mumbling their words, it's like people sitting at the table being like, are you okay? Is there something going on in your family life? Do you want yeah. to debrief that and talk about, you know, have you been to therapy? Yeah. And what was your childhood like? Yeah. That's kind of the feedback that and would that would never happen. No. You know, like, um, I guess I'm more so like someone who's, practicing to become a lawyer and getting that criticism from their you know I don't know whatever the words yeah. are I'm I not sure of the lingo people but people yeah. just need to be more mindful of yep. feedback so mm. fortunately for you yeah. you didn't listen I mean it took you a couple of years yeah. you didn't listen to that no unhelpful feedback it really crushed me though and I think looking back on it now I'm really proud of myself that I just went you know what screw them screw that I'm gonna pursue it and same thing as as we were saying before it's I'm either gonna sink or swim but I'm not going to not give it a go yeah um and as I was putting down my voice over real the 
the sound engineer in Brisbane said to me, like, oh, I think you've got a good shot at this. You know, I think you might go okay. You've got a nice sound to your voice. It's very genuine and authentic. And I think voice, the voiceover industry has changed a lot um, kind of since COVID, really, or just maybe six months to a year before COVID hit where people were sick of hearing, like, a commercial hard sell yeah. sort of a voice, like a, a radio voice, not radio, but like a commercialised yeah. voice. And they wanted to hear more authentic real people so that when you're and especially in COVID this came to fruition even more is that because everyone was so isolated you wanted to hear things like I think that's why audiobooks really took off as well because it made people feel less um, disconnected and they felt comforted and like they had a friend talking to them and and it felt really authentic and and real. Um, Did you know about because I don't know, but mm. did you think you had to do um, impressions or accents? And do you have to do impressions and yeah. accents? Like, is that part I think, of your... Yeah, I, we did a lot of accent work at drama school. Right. There's a, there's a few accents I can do. I'm not going to do yeah. any of them. <laughs> I was like, but okay, like, give me Irish. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> give me Scottish. Uh, Scottish, I find Scottish impossible. Really? Scottish is so oh. hard. Like, I just think it's so far from where... I sit with my natural accent, so it would yeah. be a really big challenge. I'd love to give it a really good crack. I went to like, see Moulin Rouge last oh, week, and go. my goodness, they could not do accents. <laughs> I think they were trying to be French, and it kept going to South African. And at one point, I'm like, you don't, what are I, you, you doing? Don't even, it yeah. was awful. Oh, and I just thought, of all, I, I genuinely had the thought of all of the potential candidates to do this mm. role, you'd think they'd find someone that could sing, dance. And do an accent. And yet they've given it to this guy who clearly can't do accents. That's kind of surprising though because usually you've got like an accent and a dialect coach on productions. Yeah, it's true. And I think with something like Moulin Rouge, there should be a dialect and accent coach there. Well, they would have vocal coaches. So, yeah, that's... Either the coach wasn't doing their job or the actor was having a bad day. (laughs) The coach was away. It was terrible. I will apologise for the neighbour's dog. I can't do anything about it, but sorry for those getting annoyed by that. Don't worry. Hopefully I'm the only one they've seen. Yeah, I hadn't even popped it. (laughs) Okay, great. We'll continue. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, fill me in a bit more about the voiceover industry because I think that's really unique and interesting. It is really unique and fun. I, I love it because... I can also, I mean, so much of voiceover work is acting as well. So Mm. I feel like I get to combine both. Um, And also since becoming a mum, it's, you sort of kind, you do kind of maximum three hour blocks at a time because by three hours your voice starts getting a bit tired and then it can change. And so um, how your voice is sounding by the end of three hours might sound quite different to how it sounded in the beginning. So to keep the kind of continuity of that, you do three hour blocks. So for example, like an audio book, I'll do three-hour sessions yeah. each day to wow. to do that. Yeah. So, so what are your what are your job types? So do you do voiceover so just audio books? Or? No, so I do audiobooks. Um, I do narration. I do. I did a bit of animation in Brisbane, which I would love to get more into because that's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um, there's also don't ever do those really <laughs> awful dubbings where it's like a Russian advert and then you've got like a British boy in the <laughs> I haven't done that. Mouths yet. don't add up. You're like, wait, yeah, yeah. I haven't done that yet, but I think that would be a funny one to do. Yeah, I think voiceover work is such a broad. I mean, there's all the commercial side of it, so you can do kind of um, TVC voiceover work as well as radio, as well as um, like. Uh, adverts for Spotify or um yeah the commercial side of it is kind of endless and then you've got literature 
you know, audiobooks, um, animation. There's also a whole other sector in with um, like simulation and video game. Yeah. So you can do the voiceovering for that. There's which would be lots of fun. Satnav. There's the Satnav, tip, the yeah. lady when you go to college. Yes. Yeah. The only thing I worry about a little bit is kind of like um, the Siri voices that are going to take over from. Oh, I hate on Instagram. You know, maybe it's TikTok. Yes, it's when they do the robot one. Yes, robot. And it's someone's like, I don't know, in hospital with it's a so new annoying. leukemia diagnosis. It's yeah. like, I've had a bad day. Yeah. And like, oh my God, this is so insensitive. <laughs> and it's the worst accent yes. as well. It's, it's kind of like this hybrid. Yeah. It's like English, but a bit of an American twang. Awful. It's awesome. the worst. I hate that one too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would love also to do some children's animation because I think that would be something really fun for me personally to be able to share with Coco Yeah. down the line. That would be pretty fun, pretty oh. cool. Um, yeah, I just love it. Can you say it. some names and projects that you've worked on? Is it all confidential? Do you put your name to your voice? Is that a thing in um, the industry? Well, or? apparently I've recently... Um, a lovely lady has contacted me to be on her database as and a narrator database. And apparently, yeah. I didn't know this, but I mean, it makes sense, but some voiceover artists use a fake name if they're doing like a romance novel or like, uh-huh. you know, like an erotic novel that they don't want their kids or family or friend, whoever yeah, to find out about it. Um, Have you got like a stage, not a stage No, name, I actually like don't. A... I mean, I, I'm hap- I, I would happily do that sort of work, but I hadn't actually thought to use... A pseudonym, is that right? I yeah. think that's the word. Yeah. Um, but that's Trevor, a thing. Travis Smith. <laughs> yeah. I have to think of a rogue name. Right. Yeah. I think I'd like, I, I think my instinct would be just to claim it and, yeah. you know, just, yeah. you know, if down the line Coco comes across that I did an audiobook for a romance novel, then that's that's okay with me like I wouldn't I wouldn't feel any shame in that so I don't think I would put a different yeah. a different name on that but that's just me personally like I think it would be something I'd be oh, proud gosh. of regardless that's but yeah just made me think have you had to do anything that's like super cringe where your toes are curling you're like oh I've just got to commit to character but it's like in voiceover yeah, work or in acting well either or really voiceover like, work <laughs> not voiceover work that I can think of that's all pretty pretty fun and like happy-go-lucky there's definitely like I suppose you know like audition scenes or callbacks where it's like it's called like a chemistry test so you have to go back and you have the other actor with you and it's basically them assessing if there's chemistry readable chemistry between you two yeah they can be very awkward um I've done some of them where by I don't you know you just I walk in the room and and for them it's an issue but I'm kind of like half a foot taller oh, than yeah. than the male lead so that that's a bit of an awkward one if it's an intimate you know kissing scene or something yeah um, the logistics of that can get a bit tricky but yeah there's definitely moments where you go you kind of just have to prepare yourself for it before mm. it's more if it's like an improvised thing. And if I think now as well, if it's if you're really uncomfortable, you can say something. Yeah. I think if hopefully the room that you're in is professional enough to say, I don't feel comfortable in this situation, can we yes. talk through it? And I think that's now why there's a lot of intimacy coaches yes. on stage productions as well as film and TV and everywhere we so that, that everyone's comfortable. Yeah. We have that at school actually. And I think mm. back and I'm appalled we had a quite a substantial budget, so about two thousand yeah. pounds. Wow. Um, 
and we're talking 15, 16 years ago. Yeah, I'm amazed that you had huge. We had a theatre at the school, so yeah. drama was quite a big deal wow. for the school. And we had this director slash failed actor, chain smoking <laughs> drama teacher, and he we would get I can visualize exactly. Yeah, really camp as yeah. well, really yeah. gay. Um, and he would get us measured up for custom made uniforms. Mm. Um, uniforms, not the right word. I'm Costumes. Costumes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. For our, we always did period dramas yeah. and stuff like that. And one girl, bless her, yeah. was quite very big actually yeah. in the bust area yeah. and he'd deliberately make the um, costumes smaller oh. to amplify yeah, that yeah. it's like her set on stage yeah. and, and that's kind play, of part of the era as well isn't it like yes. the, the, the way so that the costumes are, we're, yeah. we're essentially children 17, 18 year olds and then he would always have some sort of mm. intense kissing intimacy scene every single play would have that and we were just expected to, to so do it. And I remember my grandma being mm. on the front row mm. and thinking, oh, God, I don't want my grandma to have to watch this. Yeah. But at the same time, I wanted to, you know, yeah. honour the role. And yeah. I think, ooh, a bit risque, wasn't it? Like, Definitely risque for when you're at school, I yeah. think. Like, yeah. I think that's the one where you're like, oh, mate, you probably could have... Yeah. Probably should read no, the was room. was that Leonardo and, you know, DiCaprio, like, and I cannot think of the actress's name. She was doing full-on sex scenes and it was she was 14 and that was used as a real kind of like example of how we've we've progressed yeah and like yeah goodness that's not how it is mm-hmm. nowadays but she was playing the role of a child in the film but yeah. then they were doing all these intimates so we have come a long way yeah but, I think um, even in audition rooms now you can very much um stand up for yourself and say I don't feel comfortable right now yeah and everyone good. will go okay no problem yeah but there's definitely okay, no problem, audition but we're not going to give you the job. Yes, there's yeah. that as well. It's kind of, um, <clears throat> you kind of have to go, you just have to stand your ground and be like, I'm going to put my foot down here and it's probably going to mean I'm not going to get the role. But I'd rather have the integrity of myself yeah. and stand up to that because you get you also can gauge the room as well if the casting director or if you know the show or the film or the the theatre production or the director and you know what kind of work they do, mm. I th- whether they will, I think more often than not nowadays it would be respected to stand up for yourself. But sometimes I think people, yeah, they go like, oh, she's too she's too difficult to yeah. work with, you know, like there'll be too many obstacles with her or something. And I think that speaks to a really important point. Regardless of what creative role you're in, it's having the respect for yourself. Yeah. And even in terms of... <clears throat> charging and how much I mm. would like want for a piece of artwork so obviously I'm an, a painter yes actually by raising my price to a level that I felt comfortable with mm. gained me more respect yeah. I felt it took me yeah. years mm. but by showing that no I'm an I'm a professional I'm going to ask for a deposit because mm-hmm. why should I have to off my own money go and purchase the canvas and the equipment yeah. which is so expensive a job even is secured yeah and I'm going to tell you exactly how much it is. And if you can't afford it, well, sorry, I'm not going to do it. Like, yeah. it's actually helped me yeah. to be taken more seriously and yeah. with more respect. And so, yeah, you're going to miss out on the odd job, but they're the kind of jobs you probably don't, you don't want, want to do anyway. anyway. And I no. think back to jobs I did where I was absolutely robbed. And mm. I, I just, it, it left a bad taste and it, mm. the art wasn't good because I was resentful of it. Mm. And so... Hard thing to do when you're so yeah, desperate to yeah. just get ahead, but yeah. it's it's having the trust that by standing up for yourself, you're actually gonna yeah. probably in the long run. 
And also so much better for you as a person in the long run too. I think it's a big learning curve in your identity as an artist Mm -hmm. and your sense of professionalism and going, no, I've actually trained and worked really, really hard Mm. to get where I am and I, I deserve this. And I think it's a huge lesson though because people... People will take you for a ride in a heartbeat. Yeah, if you let them. If you let them, they will take you for a ride. So I think, yeah, standing your ground, it's a really good lesson. And it kind of, I think it kind of flips in between as well, between like personally and professionally. I think in moments where like I've been a bit more vulnerable in my personal life, Mm -hmm. then you kind of, you're lacking that confidence in your professional life too. And I Mm -hmm. think um, when they're both in sync, there's a different kind of like creativity and energy behind I think what you do when you're happier as a person the creative work that you that you put out there is better yeah that's a really important point you've made because as a creative you're definitely putting yourself into Mm. your work more so than probably non-creative professions and it is so important to keep yourself Mm. well and happy and healthy yeah so like what what do you do for you to make sure that you are your best self so you can bring that to your work for me it's been a bit of a learning curve and I feel like it often chops and changes I think a constant for me is if I need if I ever need like a reset and I'm feeling all over the shop probably my immediate go-to is to go on the ocean Mm, yeah that's my that's my reset. That's my yeah. like recharge, reset. Yeah, it's just like a cleanse. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. I probably start there. And yeah. if it's winter and I can't go in the ocean, then I walk along the ocean and, yeah. you know, get my legs in the sea. Um, and then it would probably be uh, like exercising. So, like, I will go to kind of, and this is probably more so in the past three to four years is going to like the the chemical side of it. Like I'm like, okay, I need endorphins. I need to just reset my mind, my body, Mm. get moving, do this. And then I feel great. And then I can kind of tackle whatever's going on. Mm. Um, Hanging out with people that are great. Mm. They're good energy. You know, they pick you up, they support you and you know, you do the same for them too. That's Um, a good one because a lot of artists Mm. are, very empathetic and, yes. and we feel a lot and we experience the world intensely yeah. and taking on people's energies mm. seems to be no problem yeah <laughs> no, it's very easy to do yeah like little sponges so yeah. it's really important to mm. surround yourself with people that won't drain you or won't yeah. take from you or won't need from you and I think also at the same time just not like for me like just not being around anyone as well mm. like just being fine to be by myself yeah. and sit by myself do you find it fine being on your own like I didn't used to find it I didn't used to find it comfortable at all yeah. like I'd constantly be like moving or coffee or do something or like people 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 but I think I don't know what really reset it but probably I mean probably covid yeah. I'd say it was a big yeah. turning point. And also just like appreciating being by myself. Yeah. I think it's really it's important tricky to let people know around you that actually usually mm. being a creative means that you actually need time on your own. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's true of non-creatives as well, but yeah. I felt I have felt I've had to validate to mm. people like no I need this for me yeah. for my creative yeah. process just yeah. for my well-being and mm. it's 
for extroverts or people that love being around people all the time, it can be quite kind of like confronting and maybe yeah. a bit or they get Or they get offended by yeah. it and you're like, no, this isn't about yeah. you. This is actually this is, what yeah. I have to do. And part of being a creative is I think a lot of creatives are in their head a lot mm. in their imagination and resetting and re-finding yeah, mm. themselves. So don't be offended, guys, if we need, <laughs> yeah. we need a little moment yeah, yeah. to ourselves. Do or... not be offended at all. It's just part of the process, I think. And it's a time for you to kind of either like sit back and switch off the creative part of your brain and just kind of like go back into to nature, whether that's like ocean or yeah. going to the, you know, to the um, to the trees, to the forest, like getting grounded that way or, yeah, it sounds a little bit woo-woo, but I really believe it does kind of bring you back when you can get so, I don't know, you can feel kind of like, I can feel kind of like I'm floating sometimes and I yes. need to just like come back down. Um, and... I think in terms of that alone process too, I I remember being in Sydney and I'd come out of a relationship and I had said to myself, I'm going to be by myself for a year. Mm. I'd said to myself, I don't want to I don't want to date anyone, I want to be by myself for a year. I just want to look look after myself and take care of myself. Um and six months into that I met John. Mm. But that six months I feel like was a really defining time for me personally as an artist because I figured out like what I wanted to do what my goals were what I was you know like it just I, I had the time and the space just to focus on myself it's quite self-indulgent yeah it's like gifting yourself yeah space and gifting yourself mm. yeah time to figure out. I had the exact same experience mm. with um, a previous partner in yeah. that I was like Woof, I need to not be yeah. with anyone I yeah. need to fully find myself again I yeah. lost myself in my previous relationship yeah. And my art practice just blossomed. Yeah, and, yeah um, that's so nice. Yeah, because it's com like it's a common thing to lose yourself in a relation relationship because you get into this like, I think the words osmosis, like you yeah. know, and you blend and it gets can get messy and yeah, having that time by yourself when you're a creative person to really like just do like a clean slate in your head and just like reset, do the things for you, taking care of you, and then I really feel like that's when you're like artistic impulses flow from there yeah because you're really in tune with yourself yeah 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 definitely and you can you've got so much clarity yeah and I feel like you've got clarity with yourself but you've also got clarity with people too like you can read people and kind of like fend them off or welcome other people in and yeah it becomes really crystal clear and I love that mm. yeah absolutely mm. well I know certainly for painting mm. that's subconscious thoughts, feelings, energy yeah. coming out onto the canvas. And I'm sure that is true of any creative yeah. process. It's your yeah. subconscious working. Yeah. So if you've got all this noise and stress and thoughts, you yeah. know, suppressing that subconscious, then there's no wonder that if you yeah. can clear all that, then it's just going to make your creative process powerful and, yeah. and clear so and clear, strong. Yeah. And, yeah. More like you can really, you can, I feel like you can, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like visualize things better, mm. see things clearer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, we could keep talking for hours. <laughs> Amazingly, we're already at 50 minutes. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. My God. The time has flown. Whoa. So I love, I mean, we, there's nothing kind of we need to change the tone here because it's a beautiful conversation, but I always like to end on a high mm. or end on a, on, yeah. a, on a lovely positive. So let's, um, if you have anything, any kind of thoughts about your future or goals yeah. or anything yeah. that you're really excited for or passionate about or anything you want to plug 
and uh, your pseudonym name or your real name. <laughs> I don't think I'll um, ever have a pseudonym name. Pseudonym name. Well, what I think maybe I'll keep a, it. a more direct question is: yeah. What have you taken mm-hmm. as um, that maybe you didn't know about yourself, your awareness, self awareness from the process of? I know you've said you're really determined mm. and resilient and yeah. stubborn. Yeah. Has there anything else come to light that you think, God, I didn't know that about myself, but I'm, I've gained something through the whole process of just being authentically true to myself and following my passion of, yeah. of wanting to be an actress? I think it's, I think it's a, a reiteration of just being, I had a friend say this to me not long ago, and it's just being unapologetically me. Yeah, because that's my and when she said that to me I thought that is so great because me as a person and me as a creative like whether it's personally or professionally if I'm not someone's cup of tea that is fine yeah because everyone else is not my cup of tea yeah so I think that that's something I'm realizing more and more every day and just to like let it just let it go and just Focus on the Gosh, things that are so great. that's so good. Because yeah. there's so many people out there that are mm. apologising for being authentic or yeah. they're not being authentic because they just want to fit in and try and be everyone's yeah. friend yeah. or everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. And that, Which that's is very exhausting. much a British thing as well mm. to try and, you know... Please. Please everybody. Yeah. Well, fuck everyone else. <laughs> I know. It's about pleasing yourself. I know. I know. The people-pleaser <laughs> thing is really hard. It's yeah. really hard to let go of because... Yeah. You don't really want conflict and you want to kind of have like peace and calm and especially sometimes in like a creative industry where things can be so up and down and lots of emotions and everything. But at the same time, I think just like, yeah, for me, it's just standing my ground and being me. And if that's not for someone, then that someone is not meant to be in my life. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And just learning to embrace that, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier in the conversation, just being nice, being a yes. good egg, just, just be a good be person. A person. And yeah. I know it sounds really cliche and probably a bit boring, but like just being kind. Yeah. Because honestly, like you've just got no idea what's going on yeah. behind closed doors for someone. So I think just that kindness, and it will always come full circle, I think, if you put out the kindness, it's going to yeah. be there. No, I believe in for karma, you. that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, me too. Ah, <laughs> so, <lovely. laughs> so nice chatting. <laughs> Could keep talking for hours, yeah, seriously. So true. Well, hopefully this has inspired anyone that's listening to, firstly, please don't judge artists and um, yeah. and feel like you have, yeah. you can say nice things, yeah. don't, don't yeah. be horrible to us. Constructive criticism, yeah. if you have to. Yes, yeah. because... Our art form is a part of us. Mm-hmm. So anything you say about what we create, obviously we are unapologetically taking up space and mm-hmm. making noise and mm-hmm. making something and putting it out into the world. Yeah. But be kind. Yeah, yeah. Most people are doing that from a vulnerable space. Yes. So just respect that. Yeah. And um, hopefully this has inspired some of you to actually get creative yourself as yeah. well. Yeah. Jump in. Yeah. Do it. Sink or swim. Yeah. Give it a go. Yeah. Except maybe drown. And you'll be all right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jemma. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And thanks for listening, guys. And um, I'll join you next time. Bye.